In Genesis 1.26, God says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Hello again, and welcome to the Doctrine for Doxology podcast. If you ever have questions or comments, you can email me, doctrine4, that's the number four, doxology, at gmail.com, or I'm on Instagram at the Real Bear Martin. And then before we get going, just one housekeeping thing. I am not teaching in class next week at church, and so I will hold off on releasing an episode. So no episode next week, and then I'll be right back at it. Okay, now our main text today in talking about the image of God is Genesis 1, 26 through 28. So I'll read that for us. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, first off, I want to talk about image versus likeness. So God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Well, I think that these terms are synonymous with each other. I think that Moses is just saying this just for emphasis, okay? So the Hebrew terms for image and likeness, they're just synonyms. Throughout church history, there have been different opinions on what exactly the these differences are. So some people have said they're they're two different things. We lo- you know, we we keep the image of God after sin, but we lose the likeness or vice versa. You know, so there's been different arguments about what this all means, but I do think that they are just synonyms, okay? That they're saying basically the same thing. Because as you keep reading in the Bible, and that is, that is, I should get a, I should make some shirts. I don't have any merch for this podcast, but I should make a shirt that just says, keep reading. <laughs> I think that would be some of my biggest advice um, when, when studying the Bible. Keep reading. All right. So if we keep reading the next verse, the image word is still there, but likeness drops out, okay? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So I think, again, image and likeness are saying the same thing. Now, the opposite happens in Genesis 5. So it uses mostly the word likeness and has image thrown in there one time. So Genesis 5, 1 through 3, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth, okay? And then Exodus 20, verse 4 says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So you you do not make a carved image or any likeness. So again, I think these terms are so closely related that we can think of them as the same thing. Now, another thing I want to mention is the image of God in Latin is imago Dei, 
Okay, I remember several years ago listening to a sermon series, and the guy kept saying Imago Day, and I had no, I was like, what is this guy talking about? I was listening to it. I couldn't, I wasn't reading it. And so, um, but anyway, the Imago Day is just Latin for the image of God. But man is still considered to be in the image of God even after the fall. So in Genesis 9, 6, it says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. So this is obviously after the fall of Adam and Eve, and and man is still in his own image. I think an even better verse to support this idea that we we still have the image of God, we're still made in the image of God, is in James 3.9. It says, with it, this is in the context here, it's talking about the tongue. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So what does it mean for man to be made in the image of God. The first thing I think about is what makes something a good image. So an image is supposed to resemble or represent something. And in Greek, the the word for image there is icon, which is where we get icon. Okay, so so it's supposed to represent something, a computer icon represents a program or a file. Okay, so an image is, is... always pointing to something that is greater or what it's supposed to uh, represent or resemble. So what does man have that makes him in the image of God? What is it about man where we say, yes, man is in the image of God? Well, some people will will talk about uh, different things that different qualities that men and women have compared to the animals. So we we have morals, whereas, you know, my, my dog doesn't really think about, oh, it was so bad of me to steal the other dog's bone, right? The, the, the dogs and animals don't have morals, um, so dogs are not made in the image of God, no matter what my wife says. They're not, okay? <laughs> All right, so so there's different things that, that would separate human beings from animals, different qualities. Humans have a, a, a there's a, a spirit or a soul to a human being, and so we can get in, you know, you can, you can, Think about lots of different things, but but with a lot of those things, you have to question. Okay, well, if if being in the image of God, for instance, means that we can make moral decisions, okay, well, what about an infant? Because Christians would affirm that infants and even babies in the mother's womb are in the image of God. That's that's our big problem with abortion. You are killing an image bearer of God. And so a, a, a baby in the womb does not have morals, okay? Uh, so so are they still in the image of God? Well, we would say biblically, yes, they are. And so what what exactly is the image of God? We have to be, um, we have, our, our definition or our doctrinal statement of what it means to be made in the image of God has to account for all of those things. Or, or you certainly have people with mental retardation that are, are not able to do things that other human beings are doing. And so it's you have to account for all of those things because all of those human beings bear the image of God. Michael Heiser, in the um, he, he's writing for the Faith Life Study Bible, and this little, little article is entitled The Image of God. Uh, but he says this, the Bible indicates that the image of God inherently belongs to all humans equally and immediately. 
The Bible deliberately presents the image of God as that which fundamentally distinguishes humanity from the rest of earth's living creatures. I think that's an important point. Certainly, whatever the image of God is, it makes humanity different from all other creatures on earth, okay? Now, the image of God is not a quality, so I'm continuing Heiser's quote here, the image of God is not a quality within human beings. It is what humans are. Every human, regardless of its stage of development, is an imager of God. This imaging is neither incremental nor partial, nor does it derive from a physical or spiritual ability. Rather, it derives from being created as God's image. So it, it our, the the worth the the uniqueness in being made in the image of God simply be, simply comes from God saying so. God is the one who created mankind in His image, and so our value and worth the the worth of a, an infant, the thing that makes that infant an image bearer of God, is because God said so when as as He creates mankind. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this about the image of God. Fundamentally, when we talk about being made in the image of God, we mean that God made us in such a way that we are some kind of a reflection of God. And so let me give you the, a doctrinal statement, if you will, a, a definition of the image of God. This is from the Lexham Survey of Theology. It says, quote, The image of God is the special status that all human beings have as those made to reflect our Creator's character and commissioned to carry out his purposes in the world. So we can think of the image of God as both a noun and a verb. Okay, a noun is a person, place, thing, or idea. And so the idea of man being made in the image of God is this idea that that we are uniquely separate from every other created thing on earth. So in Genesis 1 Genesis 1 and 2 one way to categorize the the created things on earth is category one is man and woman, and then category two is everything else. So man and woman are clearly set apart as special from every other created thing, birds, fish, land animals, plants, trees. Okay, so that's in a different category, and man and woman is is in a uh, an elevated category. Again, not because anything inherently special about us other than the fact that God made us to be that way. So the image the image of God as a noun would be that that word think about that word unique. Man and woman are unique um, from created other created things. Now, as a verb, man was created to be an imager of God. So we we image God when we resemble or represent him. All right, and so I think that the the reason I get this idea is right out of the context of our main passage, Genesis one, twenty six through twenty eight. So right after God says, "Let us make man in our image and after our likeness," the next phrase is, "And let them have dominion." So why would why dominion there? How does that fit within the context of man and woman being made in the image of God? It's because God exercises dominion over all things. And so we image God by by having dominion over the earth. So we are representing or resembling the way that God rules by the way we rule, okay? So how else does mankind image God? And and we were talking about this in Sunday school class and you can it, it can be very simple things that we can we can point 
others to God. Okay, so we talked about uh, landscaping. When you're landscaping, you're you're organizing the world. You're you're organizing your your yard. You're trimming the grass. Everything is in order and in place. And when God is creating, He certainly is separating and bringing order to something that was formless and void. So he's he's doing that, and then he's filling that, he's beautifying that, and so we do the same thing with landscaping. We may we may you know cut out an area where we're going to have a flower bed, and then we're planting flowers, and we're filling those spaces. In our class, we talked about a, a lot of the ladies in there make homemade bread, and so you're taking raw materials and you're and you're creating bread from those raw materials. Man formed, or excuse me, God formed man from the dust. So we talked about as as they're baking bread, those moms can be pointing their children to the things that that God does in in how He created. And so, lots of different ways that we can image. God. We image God when we discipline our kids. God is a, a father who disciplines his children. Um, God is a God of beauty. Look at, I mean, just look outside, right? So when we uh, make music, when we paint, when we're, when we're doing things that, that bring beauty, that is, that is something that God does. Uh, when, we, when we give, when, we're, when we give of ourselves, God gave his, his one and only son. And when we, when we, exercise justice, when we show mercy, those are all things that God does. And so in those ways, we are imaging God. All right. Now, you may recognize a problem, though, as I'm, you may be thinking about a problem as I'm talking about those things. Certainly, sometimes we can positively image God. We can we can show God, represent God, resemble God in the right light. But a lot of times we do not. And so if we are supposed to be imagers of God, then what happens when we don't? Okay, when we're thinking about this verbal aspect of being an image of God, we're supposed to image God. What happens when we don't? Well, that is sin. That's one way. There's lots of different ways to kind of look at or think about sin. And one way, one lens to look at sin, it would be to think about our sin as as improperly or misrepresenting God. As, as an image bearer of God, we are not representing him or resembling him properly. So in Scripture, the words image and glory are found together in several key passages. Image and glory are linked. The glory of God would be the display of his attributes, God's holiness, his wisdom, his love, his mercy, his righteousness. So God's glory is seen as we recognize these attributes or, or character traits of God. Okay, and then and when we glorify God, we are simply praising those excellencies. We we are we are praising God for his love, for his mercy, for his justice. So we are we are praising God for those things. We are glorifying God in those. All right? So, remember our doctrinal statement about the image of God. The image of God is the special status that all human beings have as those made to reflect our creator's character. All right? That's the the phrase I want to point out. We are supposed to reflect God's character. In the uh, in a catechism that I do with my kids, it's the New City Catechism. There's an adult version the answers are a little longer and wordier, and then we do the kids' version. But question four for my kids is, how and why did God create us? The answer is, God created us, male and female, in his own image, 
to glorify him. All right, so biblically, I know this is a catechism, but it's summing up truth taught in the Bible. Image and glory are are linked, all right? So again, one way to think about sin is not glorifying God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I've heard some people say of this verse, well, this meant, you know, we can... We can never be God, so obviously we fall short of who God is. Well, no, we're we're not we're not required. We're not responsible for being God. We are not responsible for being eternal creator of all things. We will never be God. What does this verse mean? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It, Douglas Moo in his commentary on Romans, it says, Paul is indicating that all people fail to exhibit that being like God, that's in little air quotes there, that being like God for which they were created. So we were created to properly image God. And when we sin, we we fail, we fall short of the glory of God, because if we were, are, were perfect imagers of God, then we would perfectly be glorifying God. Okay, and so we we fall short of the glory of God when we don't image Him properly. is is one way to to think about that, and so sin would be misrepresenting uh, God as as image bearers. So when we commit adultery, well, God is faithful, so we have now misrepresented Him. When we're selfish, God is self giving. When Adam and Eve sinned, they did not believe God's word as truthful, and this misrepresented God. God is truthful. So again, this is kind of a lens you can use to think about sin. I'm a father, and so when I lose my temper with my kids or I don't keep a promise that I've made them, I'm not imaging what God is like as our father. So I'm sinning in that way. I am imaging God as a father. When when my kids read the Bible and they read about God being a father, then they're, they're going to think about me, their their father. And so when when I sin in that way, I am misrepresenting God. And so that's when you certainly have to repent for that sin. I, I certainly have to repent for that sin, but I also have to go to my kids and tell them, listen, the way I acted just then, or I didn't keep this promise, and and that is, you know, I, I'm your father, and God is is your father, and I'm just telling you that God is not that way. I have I have sinned, and that was wrong. But God, as your father, will always keep his promises. God will always, he's always there to forgive. God doesn't lose his temper with you. He, he, is, he is patient. He is merciful. He promises that if we come to him in repentance, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So that's just one example of, of how we are imagers of God. And so certainly with sin, this image of God in us, we still have it, Okay, we didn't lose the image or likeness of God, but it is now distorted. Because of sin, we are unable to properly be imagers of God like we were created to be, right? So it's distorted or disfigured. It needs to be corrected. Well, who is the perfect, true image of God? That's Jesus Christ. So Colossians 1.15, talking about Jesus, says he is the image of of the invisible God. Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. Now again, I want you to notice how the image of God and the glory of God are linked. 2 Corinthians 4.4, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers 
to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In John's prologue, John 1.14, it says, And the Word, that is Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then a few verses down in John 1.18, we're told that Jesus makes God known to us. No one has seen God the Father, but Jesus makes God the Father known to us. Why? Because he is the perfect image of the invisible God. So as Christians, we are being restored into that perfect image of God through Jesus Christ. A.W. Tozer says this, everything that God does in his ransomed children has as its long-range purpose the final restoration of the divine image in human nature. So Christian God is, is forming that divine image back in man, that that full, complete, perfect image of God. So Romans 8.29, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So what's happened this verse is talking about we are beholding the glory of the Lord. We look at Christ and as we as we study Christ, as we know Christ better, we are being transformed into his image. That's what's happening for the Christian. We behold the glory of the Lord and we are being transformed in the same image. In Ephesians 4:22 through 24, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And then last verse here. So I'll, I'll close out with this verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 49. Just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. 